morning everyone. We're the Strickwardas and we'd like to welcome you to this morning's online service. Whether you've been a part of the Anchor Point family for a while or whether this is your first time, welcome. For those that you have been giving, thank you very much. If you uh, want to continue to give or this is the first time, you can give at giving at apallison.com. Hope you guys enjoy the service and we'll talk to you soon. Bye! Bye! Good morning, everybody. Today we're going to be reading through Hebrews in chapter 2, verses 10 through to 18. And I have the privilege of reading it for you. So please feel free to follow along. For it was fitting that he, for whom and by whom all things exist, in bringing many sons to glory, should make the founder of their salvation perfect through suffering. For he who sanctifies and those who are sanctified all have one source. That is why he is not ashamed to call them brothers, saying, I will tell of your name to my brothers. In the midst of the congregation, I will sing your praise. And again, I will put my trust in him. And again, behold, I and, and the children God has given me. Since before the children share Sorry. Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things, that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is, the devil, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. For surely it is not angels that he helps, but he helps the offspring of Abraham. Therefore he had to be made like his brothers in every respect so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For because he himself has suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. This is the word of the Lord. Hey, good morning, guys. How's it going? Hope you're doing well today. My name is Tom, if I've not met you before, and I'm really glad that you're here with us, whether you're listening on the podcast or checking us out on YouTube, welcome. And my hope and prayer for us today is that um, this message will be helpful for our journey of following Jesus. So we, as a community here in Allison, we are in week four now of our journey into um, looking at the letter to the Hebrews, and it's written to a group of Jesus followers, about 30 years after Jesus has um, ascended back to heaven, and they are on the verge of giving up. And the author who is writing this letter to what many scholars believe to a group of followers of Jesus in Italy is essentially saying, hey, don't give up. He's worth following. And, and the way you don't give up is you look to Jesus. Look to his magnificence and his splendor. Look to his solidarity with you as humans. Look to his plan for us in the future and all in between. And so what, what the letter reads like is just like a really um, an exhortation or a sermon. And so we are going to look today at this bit that's at the end of chapter two. And it really, it focuses in on this whole idea of Jesus becoming man and the solidarity that that shows with us as humanity. And essentially what it talks about is how Jesus is our, our big brother. And I am a big brother. I've got four little brothers, actually. And that is 
one of the joys of my life is is being able to be an older oldest brother and it's 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 a privilege on all kinds of levels and it's it was a pain to it at in certain points as well but the thing i'm loving more and more the older i get and the older my brothers get is just as they kind of get married or have kids or buy their first house or you know whatever like life experiences they go through maybe their kids aren't sleeping through the night or you know whatever there's this um this gift of, of like solidarity of being like hey dude i know i've been there it's tough but you're gonna get through it and it's gonna be okay or man i know my kids too are crazy they need to go outside and they've been stuck inside for so long or you know yeah i i too struggle with you know being patient in these times or whatever or just yeah man i remember that crazy stuff that we went through when we were kids so there's such a privilege in being a part of a family but i think that is what um what we're going to focus in on today is just the whole beauty of the fact that jesus is our older brother and that in coming and taking on flesh um the whole mystery of the incarnation what he's doing is forever identifying us with us as as, hum as humans and so as a big brother there's been many times you know where i've been like hey that's my brother you know that's i'm i'm his brother i'm proud of him and i'm excited and there have been other times where i've actually wanted to be like oh man i don't know that guy but what we see in the gospel is jesus is identifying us identifying with us in in, in everything saying hey listen that's that's my little brother and my little sister even when we're at our worst he doesn't turn our back his back on us that he wants relationship with us and that is the mystery of the gospel that that beautiful exchange that he gets what i deserve and, and i get what he deserved it's it's a gift and so let me just read um i'm gonna read um a quote from c.s lewis on the incarnation and this is just a beautiful way of um thinking about the whole idea so the incarnation is, is the mystery of god coming down in, in the form of Jesus and taking on flesh that he's fully God and fully man. And he, he talks about it this way. The central miracle asserted by Christians is the incarnation. They say that God became man. Every other miracle prepares for this or exhibits this or results from this. In the Christian story, God descends to reascend. He comes down, down from the heights of absolute being into time and space, down into humanity, down to the very roots and seabed of the nature he has created. And that is where it gets good. But he comes down to come up again and bring the ruined world up with him. One has the picture of a strong man stooping lower and lower to get himself underneath some great complicated burden. He must stoop in order to lift. He must almost disappear under the load before he incredibly straightens his back and marches off with the whole mass swaying on his shoulders. Or one may think of a diver. First reducing himself to nakedness, then glancing in midair, then gone with a splash, vanished. Rushing down through the green and warm water into black and cold water, down through increasing pressure into the death-like region of ooze and slime and old decay. Then up again, back to color and light, his lungs almost bursting till suddenly he breaks surface again, holding in his hand the dripping precious thing that he went down to recover. He and it are both colored now, that they have come up into the light, down below, where it lay colorless in the dark, he lost his color too. So today, guys, what we're going to look at is just how Jesus shows solidarity with us as humans in the incarnation. We're going to look at three different things. But before we do that, would you just pray with me that God would, would speak to us through his word today? 
Father, Son, Holy Spirit, thank you so much for your beautiful plan to, to rescue us from sin and from Satan and from death and from hell. Thank you, Jesus, that you are reuniting heaven and earth as we speak and that you are going to use the words that are in the, the scriptures today to hopefully paint a better picture of, of, of you in our minds. And so may we yield our pictures of what we think you're like before we even start today. And would, Holy Spirit, would you fill in the gaps that need to be filled in today? Would you color in um, the spaces that have been left empty? Would you close up the lines that need closing? And maybe draw new shapes that need to be drawn, Lord, for us as we look at you and try to understand you as we are doing our best to persevere in our faith, Lord. We are grateful for your word that we have it, Lord, to, to help us point our hearts and minds to you. And would you use me today to encourage and to uplift and to point us all to you, Jesus, because that is the point. We want to become like you. We want to be with you and we want to do what you did. So let your kingdom come and your will be done as we study your word together today. We ask this all in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Let me read, guys, um, chapter 2, verse 12. I will tell of your name to my brothers. In the midst of the congregation, I will sing your praise. This is um, what Jesus is saying to us, that, that he... He is, he's, he's calling us brothers and sisters. He's showing, showing solidarity to us in this, this form of intimacy. He's actually wanting to be known as one of us. He's in it with us. He's come down into, like in the C.S. Lewis quote, he's, he's dived down into the water. He's come down from heaven to earth. He's lifted up our burden. He disappeared for a while and carried it back up again. But in that midst of it, he's, he's wanting to identify with us in an, an intimate way. Not just in a distant way that like, oh yeah, I know them, but... No, I'm one of you guys. I'm your brother. I'm your older brother. And um, what we see here is that what he's doing is as we, as he identifies with us, Jesus in, in, in the gospels, he talks about when he's walking the earth that no one knows the father except him. And so what he does is he's showing us what God the father is actually like. And often our, our picture of God is so skewed due to sin, due to our own lack of understanding, We've painted um, our face on God's face, or we've painted our dad's face on God's face, or, you know, whatever it might be. And we have a misunderstanding or, or a misrepresentation of what our father is actually like. So Jesus comes in, identifies with us as humans, comes as our big brother, and is going to show us from this place of intimacy what God is really like. He's saying, hey, listen, brothers and sisters, let me, let me lead you in worship of our father, of our king. And this is what he is really like. Jesus, what he does is he proclaims the character of God to us alone and to no one else. He, he leads us in singing in hymns to the Father is what it's saying here. What amazing knowledge and intimacy comes from our solidarity with Christ as we choose to identify with him and be instructed by him as our big brother. The second thing we learn from just this scripture, and these are three Old Testament quotes. So that was going back to Psalm 22, which is actually... Um, a moment where at the very beginning, it's, sorry, I'm just going to go back for a second. I skipped this part, but he's quoting from Psalm 22 and Psalm 22, it starts out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And um, I was studying this week and reading about that. And that's, that's an interesting verse, but Jesus, so Jesus quotes that on the cross and, and how we could read that is that that's like the epitome of, of Jesus failing. But if we think about it in light of the lens of 
the incarnation. And the whole idea of, of Jesus wants to get down to the bottom of, of us. He wants to get down to the deepest, darkest place of us. And that actually is that the, the darkest place that we could be in as humanity is to not know God's presence, to be feel forsaken by God. And so Jesus steps all the way down into that. He actually crawls underneath that. Is, and he's, what he's saying on the cross is, is actually like a moment of triumph. What he's saying there is like, I've reached the bottom of the pool. I'm here. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So that's the, 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 the moment of triumph, actually. He's, he's, he stepped all the way into the deepest, darkest place of our sin and rebellion against God. And then, of course, from there, ascends again, brings us with him. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise the Lord. So anyways, that's the beginning. So he's quoting from Psalm 22 there in, in the whole idea about us being his, his brothers and, and singing his praises in the, in the congregation. And then he goes on, um, the writer of Hebrews goes on, and he quotes from Isaiah chapter 8. And he says this, another thing that we learn from Jesus in solidarity with him is how to be dependent on our Father. So he says this, I will put my trust in him. So what we see in the life of Jesus as he takes on flesh, as he walks the earth, we hear that he cried, he was hungry, he sighed, he had to sleep, all those things. Jesus was a normal human being. He was fully God and fully man. Jesus depended on God, and we see this at the end, again, on the cross. In Luke 22, verse 36, he says, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And this, this letter is written to a church in Italy that's really struggling and suffering, and it's being persecuted, and it feels weak. So this would come as really good news, and, and, and referencing Jesus' um, ability to, to get through suffering, to, to rise again, to get through this weakness, because we suffer, and so did Jesus, and we are weak, and so was Jesus. But the key here is that Jesus trusted his Father. And the question goes to us is, are we trusting God here? How do we learn solidarity with Jesus and his dependence on the Father? As, as our real human brother sharing our human frailty, Jesus had to put his trust in God. He had to have faith in the midst of suffering, just as he calls us to do. The third thing we learn from, from solidarity with Jesus is confidence. And this is again from Isaiah chapter 8. And he goes, Behold, I and the children God has given me. And this speaks of the future, of a confidence in that, that everything is going to turn out okay, that God actually has a plan that we can trust him. Um, and this is a, goes back to um, the prophet Isaiah. And he has two kids. And this is the picture. is like Isaiah putting his, his arms around his two earthly children. And he's thinking about the future. So I'm just going to read some, some commentary here. And if you are pregnant or um, planning on having a, a child one day and you haven't named your kids yet, there's some good names in here. So just stay tuned. So Isaiah, both his boys had been given prophetic names. One was named Maher Shalal Hashbaz, which has the meaning, the spoil seeds, the prey haste, signifying the speedy removal of Syria and Israel as enemies of Judah. The other was named Sher Jashub, which expressed the confidence, a remnant shall return. Along with this, Isaiah's name means Yahweh is salvation. These words applied to Christ are a sublime statement of confidence. It is as if he places his arms around us, the sons and daughters of the suffering church, and says, Behold, I and the children God has given me. The fact that I have family, brothers and sisters, is a prophecy of the future. This blessed remnant will survive the onslaught, whatever comes. So imagine being a church who's legitimately being persecuted and, and, and 
and really struggling and being on the verge of giving up completely and totally. And maybe even for you, you need to hear, hear this today, that God actually has a plan for our future. He's got his arms around you and saying, hey, listen, the remnant will return. Like there is going to be a day when heaven and earth are reconciled, when Jesus gets the hell out of earth and it's renewed and restored and we get to live with him forever there. We have a, we have a confident hope that we can look to in Jesus. So his solidarity and in, in coming up underneath all of our brokenness and sin completely and fully, him coming alongside of us and showing us what it looks like to depend on God all leads us to this place of confidence in the future. That God has a plan, that God is good, that he has not forsaken us, and that the whole way through Jesus is saying, hey, listen, these are my brothers and sisters. I identify with you. I know what it's like. And this is how he ends. The, the writer ends this, this chunk of scripture. He says, Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things, that him being Jesus, that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is, the devil, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. For surely it is not angels that he helps, but he helps the offspring of Abraham. Therefore he had to to be made like his brothers in every respect so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For because he himself has suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. And, and, and like how much solidarity there do we see that, that it goes on in Hebrews chapter four. It's like we, we have a high priest who actually sympathizes with us. He knows what it's like to be human. And so Jesus comes and he through his resurrection, destroys the work of the enemy. Through his death, he destroys the work of the devil and then releases us from this slavery of, and fear to death, that we have hope in eternal life in Jesus, that it's released to us right here and right now. So what do we do with all this stuff? How does this apply to our life right here and right now? I've been ending with, us, with each message with a challenge for us. And this week in praying, um, in light of all this stuff of the good news of the gospel that we're hearing that Jesus is actually, you know, shows solidarity with us as another human, the God man. Um, the thing that stuck out to me was this, this whole idea of the second point there. What does it look like to trust God? And for, for those of us who are experiencing um, moments and or maybe prolonged periods of time of really feeling exhausted and weary of being on the verge of giving up, maybe your faith or um, being a part of a community or whatever that might look like. I just, I felt like um, in prepping just to kind of push on that whole idea of, of, of trust. And the challenge this week for us is, is to think through, what I want you to ponder and think through is where are you putting your trust? Where are you placing your trust? And this verse this week has just been, you know, hitting me in the face. And I've actually been praying through this and um, using this as kind of a prompt to, to work through some of my own sinful attitudes and behaviors in my life. Um, and this is from Jeremiah chapter 17. Thus says the Lord, Cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength, whose heart turns away from the Lord. He is like a shrub in the desert and shall not see any good come. He shall dwell in the parched places of the wilderness in an uninhabited salt land. And that hit me. I'm like, oh my gosh, I feel like that. I feel like everything I've set my hands to has, has no good has come from it. Like, what is going on here, Lord? And I look back at my life and can see that kind of repetitive thing happening. And I, I think that just, the, the, the writer here, the, the, the question that you're left with is, where am I putting my trust? Am I putting my trust in myself? Am I trying to find renewal 
in, in my own strength or my own actions or my own behaviors or apart from God? Am I defining good and evil in my own strength? All those things are part of, of trusting ourselves rather than trusting God. So that's why I want to get your head thinking through. Where, where have I placed my trust? Have I placed it in myself and someone else? Or am I placing it in Jesus? But it goes on. So this is the good news. This is the invitation. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. He is like a tree planted by water that sends out its root by the stream and does not fear when heat comes, for its leaves remain green and is not anxious in the year of drought, for it does not cease to bear fruit. And that is what God invites us into in this whole exchange where we're, you know, raised with Jesus in his place of intimacy, where we're learning from him to trust our father that he actually is good. And that, that gives us this confidence as we move forward in the things of God and to further up and further in into his kingdom. So I want you to think about that. Where are you placing your trust? Are you placing your trust in yourself, in man? Because it's pretty clear that, you know, that means things are, your heart is actually turned away from the Lord and you're not going to see any good come. And maybe that's what you're living through right now. But the invitation is, hey, listen, put your trust in God. Put your trust in him because you, if you do that, you're like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots to the stream and you don't even fear when heat comes or when you're, because your leaves stay green and you're not anxious about the drought because fruit is still going to come. And that's all speaking of this whole life of abiding in Jesus, of learning from him how to live your life. And so my challenge for you to go along with those thoughts to kind of ponder is this whole learning to practice this discipline of confession. Confession, uh, Augustine says this, confession of evil works is the first beginning of good works. And so I think in this place, guys, this invitation, let's, let's take some time to confess our sin to one another. How are the ways that you've been defining good and evil yourself kind of playing out in your life? And be specific with that. You know, I've, I've done that a couple times this week with a few people. Learning to confess our sin is so helpful for us. And James 5.16 says this, Therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other that, so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. So we have confidence in the fact that Jesus actually did go, like just like at the end of this scripture here. He has suffered just like we were when we were tempted, but he's able to help those who are being tempted. But also behind that is that God actually paid the price for all of our sin through Jesus's death on the cross. We've been cleansed. We are a new creation. We're just learning how to live that out. So what we see here in, in confession, there's two things that we hold in tension. We, we come to the grips with the, re, the reality of the depths of our own sin, of our own rebellion against God. But at the same time, we come to grips with the depths of God's mercy. That as far as the east is from the west, that's how far he removes our sin from us. That his love goes beyond that mercy triumphs over judgment, all those things. But it's so important for us to be able to recognize, just like in that verse in Jeremiah, the things that are no good is coming from. It's probably because our trust is in ourselves and not in God. So the challenges for you guys and, and, and all of us is to confess our sin to one another. And so I want to I wanna challenge you to do that, to pick up the phone this week, to schedule a walk, to write an email or do something where you find someone that you trust and you and just like talk it through with them. Confess, I confess this, this, and this. And then you ask for forgiveness from God. And then there's there's this great little thing I, I think I've skipped over in the past where Jesus in John chapter 20, he comes and he breathes on his disciples and he says, receive the Holy Spirit. And he says, peace I give to you. But then he, at the very end, he says this, 
If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. And so we're able to actually uh, like speak the truth and, 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 and echo God's forgiveness to one another. That as, as our brother or sister confesses sin to us, we're able to say, hey, listen, you are forgiven because of what Jesus has done on the cross. Let's remember that, that all of your sins are, are washed away, that you're washed white as snow as you confess you're forgiven. Um, uh, where was I here? And this is, this is also great because it speaks to this whole idea that we are actually a, a royal priesthood, that, that we're able to kind of do this for one another, to express the forgiveness of God on God's behalf to each other. So that's our, our ponder, think it over question is, where is my trust? Where am I placing my trust? Am I placing it in myself or others or am I placing it in God? And, and how is that coming to bear in my life? And read over that Jeremiah chapter 17, verse, verses 5 to 8 verse. And then the challenge is to actually confess to someone you love and trust what, what that looks like in your life, how that's coming to bear. And then we're trusting God for forgiveness. We're trusting God for an ability to walk things out in solidarity with him in the future. Guys, I love you. I hope this is helpful again for your journey on following Jesus. May his kingdom come and may his will be done in your life as it is in heaven. Bless you guys.